1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As hot, as bothered, and as ready for war, for battle, for a big one Sunday at Jet Life Stadium. Brandon Tierney on the fan. Once again, you can listen to him middays at WFAN.com, on the radio, and of course, on the Odyssey app. Great guy, always a great chat. He and Tiki have a tremendous show. High spirits, high energy as always. I hope they're disappointed because in defeat always comes great conversation and some of the best humor. I don't know, I'm getting a little anxious about this one Sunday. I need to catch up on the state of Patriots Nation and who better to do that with than our guy from Six Rings, Andy Hart and NFL Networks Mike Giardi on a little State of the Patriots, what's going on in Foxborough, the Foxborough future and this whole quarterback drama? and dilemma take a listen joining us now on the six rings and football things podcast favorite friend of the show nfl network's big gun mike giardi and we had to bring in the big gun because um i have no idea what the hell is going on with the patriots quarterback situation so we need our best uh patriots and nfl insider mike simple question what i just said what the hell is going on with the patriots quarterback situation
0: to quote mac jones that's a great question um I don't think it's been fully flushed out. I think there's it's very complicated. I think there's a faction of the coaching staff that enjoys working with the rookie Bailey Zappi. Who would that be? I, I, I think the quarterbacks coach is very fond of him. I think Joe Judge likes First-time quarterbacks coach. Yeah. Uh, what does he know about quarterbacks? <laughs> well, if you ask the people in New York with the Giants, they would say nothing. They would say he helped lead Daniel Jones down a path where they weren't picking up his fifth year option. Um, but to me, the bigger question now is just Mac Jones psyche. You've seen the pictures. You saw the reaction on the sideline. We were there for the post-game press conference where, look, it was a late night, but he looked a little glassy-eyed. He looked a little weary, frustrated. And, yes, at one point he did start talking about, like, hey, it's not always a straight climb to the top. There's going to be valleys when you're climbing the mountain. Um, Felt like he was trying to convince himself of that in the moment. Uh, And to me, the big part of this now is can you salvage – a kid who was pretty good for you last year who was praised a ton by Bill Belichick in the off season in the spring, Matt Patricia as well, about the kind of guy was. Joe Judge as well. Can you find that guy again, or is that guy lost for this year? And if he's lost for this year, what does that do, A, for the year, and B, are you back in the market for another quarterback?
1: Okay, so I thought the uh, one of the big things we saw was the body language when he was told he was coming out of the game, the kind of – Rolling of the eyes, I don't know if it's an exact rolling of the eyes, but shaking of the head, it was a weird reaction, and that is sort of the end point in my mind, like how we got to this broken quarterback, if you want to call it that, because I agree with you, the comments about climbing the mountain and going down to get some air, quote-unquote, he seems like a guy that needs some air right now. But how did we get here? Because as of even maybe March, you know, whenever it became obvious what they were doing with the coaching staff, but before that it was like, you had a franchise quarterback. You had figured it out. You drafted him. He started. He won the competition. Playoffs, like the whole thing. He ended his season talking about, now it's different. I need to lead, get people to follow me. The workouts, the body, The everything was trending where you wanted it to trend. And now, whatever this is, six months later, we're wondering, is he the long-term guy? How did you break him? Do you need to build them back up? Because I actually think you do. I I think I mentioned to this this to you before we started this podcast. Like, I think they need to go the Cam Newton route, where they were fluffing up Cam that year. Where you know, there's leaders, and then there's Cam and what he does, and he's this, he's that. How did we get to this point where you need to rebuild your quarterback less than a year and a half into his tenure?
0: What you just said now about Cam, that's what they were doing with Mac in the spring. Except with Cam, we were all like, eh. Like okay, maybe he is this kind of leader that guys flock to, I and mean, Jacoby Myers referenced him last week, kind of helping him get his career kickstarted because he believed in him. But with Mac, it was like, no, no, he's done this and this and this. And did you see what he did last year? And like, he, he's all in. Um, I mean, I know sometimes we quibble with the captains: are those voted on? Is that selected by the coach and claimed it's voted on? Whatever. But just in his ability to get guys together in the off season, um, not only just to come to him, but he went to them a lot. Uh, on their turf, uh, s- says a lot about who he was. So I wasn't surprised when he was named a captain. But I think this comes down to the quarterback and the coaching and the system that has they tried to employ, which, oh, by the way, by and large, they've blown that up. I mean, we, we they shelved the wide zone stuff a long time ago, a play here or there. Um, but they spent a lot of time on that. And I think he had questions about that. I think we talked about that, like, hey, I, I'm not – we're not really feeling it, and we went through an entire summer where you're like, when did they look good in the summer? Did they at any point offensively as the first team? Maybe there was a practice here or or a period there, but like it wasn't like oh they built on yesterday with another good day today and another one, which is how it works, or at least at least how we've seen it work. Even with Mac last year as a rookie, like all of a sudden it was like uh, Bill keeps saying Cam's a starting quarterback, but Mac was better today. Mac was better the next day. Mac was better the next day, and also measuring against himself. He was better than he was the day before and the day before. We didn't get that this year. So I think his confidence in what was around him, and I'm not talking from a player perspective, again, just from a coaching schematic uh, situation, started to erode at his belief in what they were doing. And you can say, well, you're a second-year quarterback. Who are we to listen to you? Well, the first year uh, – the the OC here last year – who is very accomplished and did hold his hand a lot, did listen to him and did find the things that Mac felt most comfortable with, which Bill always talks about, right? Where you're supposed to find that thing, what my players do well, I don't know that they ever did that. And now the other guy comes in and it's play action and let's get rid of it as quick as possible. Let's dumb this thing down. Let's not put it on the quarterback. Let's make him the second, third, fourth option on the play, if you will, in terms of importance. Um, and that looks good. So then it's created this thing that we saw on Monday night where, I mean, I personally believe through no fault of his own, um, Mac Jones was cast aside by the fans for Bailey Zappi because of what they saw from Zappi for the last two weeks and because of the ever-present thought that the late-round draft pick is going to turn into Tom Brady. So I
1: think and I'm, I'm kind of developing this right here on the fly. They over-invested in Mac early in the season. And what I mean by that is it was, we're going to put it on you. We're going to throw the ball down the field. We're going to see if we can, I keep using the phrase, close the gap on the teams like the Bills and the Chiefs. Like, can we be a higher-end passing game, not a hold-your-hand-don't-lose passing game? And then about a month later, with the injury and with Zappy. They're under-investing in Mac. Bill's refusal to ever say, he's our starting quarterback when he's healthy. When he's back, it's his job. And then obviously, the water got so muddy you couldn't see through it on Monday night against the Bears with the plan, the plan that none of the offensive players knew about, which to me tells me a simple story. Zappi didn't get a a ton of reps on the practice field. Because players don't really get told things, they observe things. The first team offense runs out there, there's 11 guys. Oh, that receiver's getting a lot more reps this week. He's getting like he's part of the game plan. I mean, it's happened for years when two decades ago Ted Johnson walked out because he realized he wasn't part of the game plan. Like, players aren't told things, they feel things, they know things based on what's good. So that tells me the players weren't surprised Mac started. Why? Because Mac took, as was reported, the bulk of the reps in practice. They were surprised when Mac got pulled because Zappi didn't get a strange amount of reps because a player would have known like I don't know the number I don't know whether it's you know nine out of ten go to the starter one goes to the backup whatever it is but if a player sees six and four let's just say oh interesting they're getting him ready to they didn't see that so it was an absolute poop show Malcolm Butler Super Bowl week correct like players aren't told things they see things they feel things and then they're stunned when it doesn't match up because we're told that's what matters. That's how football works. Like you practice, you have to practice to play. If you don't get on the practice field, you don't play your reps, tell you what you're going to do. Like you prepare for everything, the instill everything. So this went sideways somewhere. And I don't really understand. And I guess that's water under the bridge. You made a mistake. You paid, you paid dearly because you got your ass whooped by an, I think an inferior football team on the whole. I think the bears are not as good a football team as the, they got a better quarterback. And more importantly, well, let me rephrase that. They had a better quarterback in that game, and they had a quarterback who knew he was the quarterback, which maybe was the most important thing. They have a franchise quarterback that they are developing. He knows who he is. He's standing up there talking about where we're going, sick of being close. Like
0: They had a plan for him, too. They had a plan for him. He, yep. And we talked about it in the aftermath. Like, more designed QB runs. They hadn't been doing that all year, which, having watched them – Prepping for the Thursday night football game because I had him two weeks ago, and then again this week, it was maddening because you're like, look, he's not a pocket passer right now. Maybe he will be one day, right. but right now, the things that he does best are running the football and getting outside the pocket and, and being creative. And it finally, like, dawned on Marblehead for Luke Yetzi, their offensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, their head coach. Like, look, man. We got to build his confidence up. And one way to do that is, yeah, we might put him in harm's way by running a little bit more, designed runs, but he's also 235 pounds. We've seen it with Josh Allen. Some of these guys are just, they can handle some of this. Hell, Lamar can handle it, and he, he's 215. So uh, he just may be smarter about how he does it. So I think that's part of it too. Like, they're, they're, they're not talking about the, the other guy. We're not worried about splitting reps. They're not, it's my job. I'm going to go out there and do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shine. I'm going to crash and burn, but I'm going to be out there from start to finish, I mean, again, the back's the max body language. Like, he unclipped his shoulder pad after he told Nelson Aguilar he was out of the game. I, you usually don't unclip your shoulder pads unless you think you're done for the game. Now, could have just been a reaction, and I'm reading too much into it, but we've been around this a long time. When do guys usually do that? Training camp game, days, I'm done for the day. Uh, preseason game, all right, the starters played. unclipped because I'm not going back in.
1: And he didn't go back in, by the way, despite the fact that Bill Belichick apparently told ESPN and Lisa Salters that the plan was for him to go back in. Bailey, Bailey Zappi finished the game, uh, and I wouldn't say in exactly uh, impressive fashion, and that's another layer to this, that if anything, muddies the water maybe a little bit more. Um, so Mike Giardi is holding up his phone for me. Like, Let me read that again real quick. Uh, Field Yates, as we record this podcast, breaking news for Week 8. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones is about 90% of the first team reps in practice today, which was a walkthrough. This is Wednesday. We're recording at Gillette Stadium. And we'll start for the team on Sunday against the Jets. See, I'm not surprised, and I'm glad this happened. Okay, so we've talked in the generalities about the situation, the ugliness, the quarterback being broken. I believe this nugget, which was fed to, to Field Yates, is... The first step in building, uh, actually rebuilding, because I think he was partially built. And for some reason, by design or by accident, you tore him down. And so now we know Mac Jones is taking his role. And I was talking about Zappi. He faded against the Bears. Came in, two touchdown drives, boom, boom, nice throws. Oh, the place is rocking. And then batted balls, turnovers, interceptions. Looked like a guy that was a little bit uh, out over his skis, so to speak. And now you're done with Zappi fever. Hopefully, for now. The face Mike Giardi is making isn't so positive.
0: Well, this is a good scenario in the sense that you're giving Mac the keys if this is all going to play out and there are no setbacks because the next game is at MetLife in front of mostly Jets fans and not back here. So not only do you kind of keep him away from this environment, which is crazy to talk about keeping him away from your own fans, but as we saw what happened on Monday night and even the murmurings before the game even started – Um, that's a good place for him to be dropped back in, even though I think that defense is pretty good. But now he has to play well. Like, and it has to come fairly quickly. And I don't mean from a go back to Bailey Zappi, but I mean, what's the environment like the next time he comes here? Have we seen Mac Jones look more like the Mac Jones of last year um, than anything that we've seen for the better part of this year?
1: Yeah, and... Just to keep you up to date on Six Rings things, uh, last week the great Paul Perillo was our guest in this segment, and he he actually brought up the idea that Mac Jones returning to action at Gillette Stadium was a bad thing. If he, I think the way he phrased it, if he were Mac's mom and dad, given everything that's going on, he would not want him in front of the Foxborough faithful, <laughs> supposedly, because Kind of what happened, could I, I think we even joked, three and out, three and out interception. How does the crowd react? Well, we know how they react. They boo, and then they cheer for Zappi.
0: Well, I'll just have one more thing for you. Just from the pregame on Monday, talking to someone who is very well connected to Mac, and was reticent to say there was excitement about the start. And I think it kind of points to what you're talking about. Like, I don't know that... Again, I know people are gonna push back on this because he's in year two and he hasn't won any Super Bowl rings, but like what are we doing exactly here? That seems to be the feeling. Like what you were so invested in him and you talk so much about him in the off season, and then all of a sudden where do we get here? And I you know, look, there's a there are narratives that have been put out there on social media, um sports radio, and I'm not digging, that's just part of the game, right? But like is is he uh, is he a little bit of a diva? Does he have a bad attitude? No, I don't think he I don't think he does have any of those things. Are there certain qualities? Sure, but I like the idea that he does ask why. He's not you just don't push and play like he's not that kind of quarterback. He's a smart guy. He wants to know what's happening, and I think there are people around him that were like, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about what's happened, and then look what happened, right? So. The reticence to get excited for it turned out to be well-founded because it, it turned out to be a disastrous night.
1: It was definitely disastrous. Now my question is, will we look back on this and laugh? Is there a chance, you know, three years from now when he signs his new $240 million contract and he's well-entrenched, actually two-part question, and well-entrenched as the starter, are we just going to look back at this and say, remember that silly little blip for three weeks where Zappi was the story and we were wondering if he was the guy? And if that doesn't happen or if there is a reason that doesn't happen because you brought up the coaching and the fact that maybe the quarterback's coach was a zappy fan or, or aligned with zappy if bill belichick had an either or him or me and it's his coaching staff i'll even combine them the, the two coaches that have been put in offensive roles that aren't offensive coaches would he pick patricia and judge or would he pick Mac Jones does he believe in Mac Jones to the point where he would pick them over coaches that he doesn't know really deep down whether they can do the job or would he pick the coaches
0: I think he picked the coaches I hate it I I, look I think there's been a a, go back to the Wickersham thing from years ago about the idea that give me the average quarterback and I can still win with him I think that's how he thinks Bill and I think that trickles down to the guys that coach for him and if you look at Matt in particular they're close that's not just a professional relationship right. that's a personal relationship um so yeah i would in, I, yeah no that's exactly i was gonna say unless somebody from upstairs said no but even then then i think bill would say well no to you i'm i've done all this wait
1: no to mr Kraft. yeah i don't think that's a good idea
0: well, i'm not saying if for your long-term job future it's not but does he care
1: i don't know if he cares and let's 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 explore this for a minute get another job
0: well, he's 70. I don't know how many more jobs he needs. Yeah, there's,
1: you, you, would, uh, and I'm not sure he'll get another job, by the way. What's his contract look like? If he's
0: fired, he can get another job. But if he walks away. Well, but then, there's the, then you just work it out. Okay, work it out. Because somebody in New York will tell Mr. Kraft and Belichick's representative, uh, there are teams that want him in the league. We want him in the league. So get in a room, figure out the buyout, however you want to do it, however you want to word it. Joint statement: We love you. You love us. It's just time to go. That's how it would play. So
1: let's explore though the Mr. Kraft angle because we know he's a fan. Like
0: I don't like I don't
1: even say that like mockingly or in any way. Like I actually appreciate the fact that I think Robert Kraft does care about his team and minutia. Like I think he he lives like a fan, even though he's a five six billion dollar fan and money's on the line. Everybody was like, "What the hell's going on Monday night?" what was Robert Kraft thinking when he watches his 15th overall pick, who's healthy apparently because he was running and he looked good, even when he slid and kicked that guy in the nuts. Um, Like, what was he thinking in that that span of three hours, which I believe, as Troy Aikman said, at 8.15 we didn't have a quarterback controversy. At 9.15 we did, and then I don't know that he referenced this, but I actually think by 11.15 you didn't again because Zappi sucked again. But what was Robert Kraft thinking with that circus that was Monday Night Football?
0: I'm sure he got caught up in the emotion in particular – when Bailey came in and threw the ball on the you know, the, the bomb down to Parker, the touchdown to Myers, I, I'm sure he got caught up in that. I, I mean as you mentioned, it's hard not to be a fan and get excited about that. And you saw social media explode, the fan base going mental, but then like you said, then what happened after that? And that's sort of the thing that didn't get never mind the defense. I'm just talking about from the quarterback. Yeah, that that it just the play evaporated and they've had to put it on him and he's not he's not that guy maybe he'll never be that guy I don't know it's far too early for me to make a declaration one way or another in that regard but like okay he looked more like the guy we saw in training camp than the guy who's had it pretty well manicured for him the first two weeks so you brought
1: up the defense I don't even know where to go with the defense because it was alarmingly bad against a team that could run the ball, and oh, they did, for 240-plus yards. And I know everybody was like, oh, they designed runs for the quarterback. Yeah, that was 80. (laughs) What about the other buck 60 you allowed? And is that kind of skating or flying under the radar? Could that be a bigger issue for this team that still has the Burrows, the Allens, those offenses on the, the Vikings? Like, There are some offenses that are far better than what you faced against the bears. And in recent weeks, even when you fluffed up your puffed out your chest about the lions and the, the Browns, like what's going on with that defense. And is that beyond the point of really being at a competitive high
0: level? I would say we overvalued the defense. And I kind of felt this way in the moment. So I don't want to, I, I don't feel like I'm, this is a retrospective thing.
1: Hindsight always 2020 with this Giardi guy.
0: Um, guy. Because you can tell me that the lions are the highest scoring offense in football coming in here but the quarterback they own the quarterback and I'm telling you the confidence from the beginning of the week in talking to people about playing this quarterback they're like you know when we told you back before the Super Bowl when he was with the Rams that we're gonna make him crap his pants and that was not the words they used they spiced it up um, we feel the same way and guess what happened they did that so they, so you're telling me that Bill Belichick crushed two first-round quarterbacks over the last month, <laughs> one Jared Goff and one Mac the Jones. One overall, <laughs> the number one overall pick in, in Jared Goff. Uh, so I, I didn't – like it was good. You Obviously, you play who you play, and we'd be talking about the alternative if they got stomped by him, but that's what we're talking about now with Chicago. Some of the things that concern me about this game, supposedly one of the best defensive linemen in football, defensive tackle. How did he word that? Godchow?
1: Defensive lineman, I believe.
0: Uh, he was moved around quite a bit. And it's kind of interesting because he made – there's four or five plays you look at and go, oh, like if you're just looking at highlights. But then when you start going back and looking at their big plays or plays where he just gets moved and you go, that, that guy? Okay, so there's that. And then there's the Matthew Judon angle. So Judon and Wise don't start the game because they're going with this different package, right, that they sat out the first two plays. Um, at some point very early in that game, Chicago identified Matthew Judon as the guy to run at. He's your highest-paid guy, I think, period, on your team. Um, He didn't – like, I know the – you got the sacks, all right? There was some pressure there. But he also was guilty of doing the thing where he goes by the quarterback and open up lanes for the said quarterback to run around and not necessarily tuck it and run, but run around and make plays. So uh, while he gave you a couple splash plays, he was exploited. So there you have your two biggest investment chips on defense, certainly in, in recent time. And neither one of them was any good. And that would, that would worry me. That would worry me.
1: So moving forward, uh, as we wrap this up, talking to Mike Giardi, NFL Network here on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast, have you – I feel like a ton has gone on in the last two months, basically. Have you reassessed – you know how Vegas puts out their new updated win totals and things like that? Or are we just back to, to square one where we were too low, too high, too low again, and in reality – You're a mediocre, you know, Vegas had it eight and a half. So you were picking nine wins. Ooh, they're a little above 500 or you were picking eight wins. They're a little below 500. Are we just settling into, yeah, Vegas kind of nailed it. That's who they are.
0: My word for this entire team from back in the spring was middling. I think they're a middling team. So middling team is 8-9, and 9-8. Nine, nine and eight. Um, And, again, we ride waves, especially with just one game a week. So there was that two-game win streak. And, oh, they pushed Green Bay. Well, now we look at Green Bay and we say Green Bay stinks. Like this might be the worst team that Rodgers has been on in some time. Looks completely disinterested, kind of like a quarterback in Tampa as well. Um, so you have that part of it. And then you start to look at the schedule. You haven't played Buffalo yet. You mentioned Josh Allen, like Josh Allen runs the ball. Like they talk about, they don't want him to do it, but he's going to do it because he wants to win the game. And they're going to look at you and say, if Josh has 10 carries in this game, it's probably a good thing for us. Probably means we're making some big plays. You struggle with Miami. You already lost to him once this year. I know they come here, but I can't, I would take Miami's roster over yours right now. I would take the Jets roster over yours before the injuries. Now they had some big injuries this week. That's a problem for them, but, like, I think you just look at their schedule and the things that you thought were layups, you, I mean, everybody thought Chicago was a layup. I think the coach thought Chicago was a layup, and it was for the Bears, not for you.
1: So as we close this out, uh, let's, let's finish with the quarterback question again. Let's say a little more than a year from now, Patriots quarterback depth chart looks like what, and I guess that question is, Mac Jones fully entrenched? and again, Mac Jones looks like he's going to start in New York against the Jets this week. Is Mac Jones once again fully entrenched as the franchise quarterback? And where is Bailey Zappi? Is he still here? Cuz I know some people are starting to fluff up trade. Oh, you could trade one of the quarterbacks. You got two quarterbacks cuz you know what I think? You got two quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks. What is the what is the quarterback depth chart look like for the uh a year from now, let's say.
0: Andy, we don't do hypotheticals here.
1: Yes, we do. It's radio. This isn't Bill Belichick, and I'm not. We, we're not taking it day by day. We're not going to see how things go out there today. We're not doing
0: anything.
1: Yeah, none of that. How does it look in a year? I, ooh, he is stumped a little bit. He's thinking about this.
0: I, I, can't, I can't say with confidence. My confidence has been shaken in the entire operation, and my confidence has been shaken in what Mac could be as a player. Because, again, I never projected Mac to be this top five guy, but in my head I thought based on how last year went, uh, and him being your best player um in the postseason game, which I know you got stomped, but he was by far and away your best player, showed up. A lot of guys didn't. Uh I thought he could be someone who gets around that ten, twelve range of quarterbacks. Maybe has a really good year and he's number eight. But I think you can win with that. I think you can win a Super Bowl with that. Uh I maybe I'm in the minority. I know a lot of people think you need to have this crazy special talent at quarterback. But I, I don't I can't project anymore. I don't I haven't liked what I've seen from him since the spring. And I haven't liked what I've seen them do around him since the spring. And nothing that's happened here in these press conferences or on the field Monday night gives me confidence to say like, oh, they'll be fine. They'll figure it out. Like, I think he's a smart guy. I think Bill's a smart guy. Can they find common ground again and get back in the same place they were last year? I don't know because Josh McDaniels isn't here coaching him. See, I think you're a relatively smart guy. And I do
1: think Bill's a relatively smart guy. But. If Bill doesn't know what's going on with the Patriots quarterback situation and Mike Giardi doesn't know what's going on with the Patriots quarterback situation, I think we can close by saying nobody knows what's going on with the quarterback situation. And that's what we bring you each and every week is information from Gillette Stadium here on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. In all seriousness, thanks to Mike Giardi, NFL Network, and Patriots Jets Sunday, MetLife Stadium, Mac Jones, back in action.